Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Um, we're going to continue in an ongoing series that we were doing, uh, walking through the book of Daniel. But before we do, I need to give a little bit of a disclaimer for some of the things we're going to uh, go through this morning. And then also give a little bit of historical background information. I realize not everyone enjoys all the history surrounding biblical stuff, but it's important and it's relevant. So first, the disclaimer. Um, I realize we're kind of low-key, conservative, quiet people usually on a Sunday morning, but this, this Sunday morning, I'm going to need a lot of you to get involved and engaged. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and like do yoga, nothing like that, but I will be asking you guys to kind of respond, right? So here's the thing. If you guys understand what I'm saying, raise your hand. Okay, see, that did work. Everyone raise their hand. Good, good. Okay, now, uh, so be prepared for more of that in a little bit more involved way uh, a little bit later on, but also a little bit of historical information, right? So we've been walking through the book of Daniel, but I'm going to put some verses up here on the screen and give you some history, and I get some of you may zone out during the history. That's okay. Just come back in when you're ready. Um, the last thing we read last week was this in chapter 4. It says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right. All his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. This was Nebuchadnezzar sharing his testimony after God humbled him. Right? The next thing we read in the book of Daniel would be chapter 5, verse 1, which says, King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. Now, here's, here's the historical part. Uh, chapter 4 ends with Nebuchadnezzar as king saying, hey, you know, here's my testimony of what God did in my life. And we talked about that last week. When you get to chapter 5, there's a different king. This is actually not the next king, but the king after that. I forget the name of the one who came before him. Nepobah something, blah, blah, blah. And then came Belshazzar. There's about 12 to 15 years between the end of chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5. And it's not that the Bible is wrong or anything like that, but here's what Daniel did. Daniel, when he was writing this, listed all of his interactions with all these different kings. We read about all his interactions with uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Then he lists his interactions with King Belshazzar. Then he lists his interactions with a king named Darius. And the one he had with Darius, I think, is actually at the end of his life, when he's like 80 years, his first interaction with Nebuchadnezzar was when he was like 14 years old, right? So he spent all of his life working for and serving in these kingdoms. Then, after listing his interactions with all these kings, he starts listing all these visions and dreams that God gave to him, right? So if you're going chronologically, the next thing that happens is not this with King Belshazzar. It's actually chapter 7 and 8 where he starts listing, here are these dreams and supernatural visions that God gave to me. And again, not that the Bible is wrong, just he chose to list, here's all my interactions with the kings, and then here's all my dreams. 
So we're actually going to go through it chronologically so you can see it makes more sense. And actually, the things that happen in chapter 5 are going to make a lot more sense after we read the things that happen in chapter 7 and chapter 8, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to jump into chapter 7. I'm going to put all the verses on screen because uh, we're going to read them in the amplified version, right? But if you want to follow along in your Bible, open to Daniel chapter 7, verse 1. Your Bibles, I think, on the tables are all NIV version. And it's going to make more sense why I'm reading it in the amplified version as we go there, okay? So this is what it says. Daniel chapter 7, verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of the king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions in his head as he was lying upon his bed. Then he wrote down the dreams and told the gist of the matter. Yes, he's writing in third person. Yes, people do that. I don't know why. That's just what he chose to do. But where it says in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, when we get to chapter 5, I know it sounds weird when we get to chapter 5, it's actually going to be the last year. It's actually the last day of that king's reign and we're going to see here in chapter 7 some of the things, the visions that God showed to Daniel actually come to pass 12 to 14 years later, even though he writes about it in chapter 5. All right, so bear with me because this is going to get a little bit weird, but this is why I put it in the Amplified Version. Daniel said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens, political and social agitations, were stirring up the great sea, the nations of the world. And four great beasts came up out of the sea in succession and different from one another. Now, I get this sounds weird, but just a little bit of a, what should we say, we'll call it prophecy, like 101, when you're reading about prophetic stuff in the Bible. Uh, sometimes they'll use words that we think are normal, but they're using them in a different context. So when you see, when they're talking about prophecy, and they say, I saw something come out of the sea, it's not like Godzilla rising up out of the sea, which was a great movie. Put it in your queue if you haven't seen it yet. The newest one is awesome. But not like Godzilla, although I do not think he could have defeated King Kong, just my personal opinion. But it's not like Godzilla coming up out of the sea, right? That's, that's, that's what we think of. It's more of a beast, which is a symbol for something, coming up out of usually a reference to the, like the sea of humanity. And here, again, not me making this up, this is why in the Amplified Version they say, coming up out of the sea, the nations of the world. You'll see this mirrored in books like Ezekiel, uh, in the book of Revelations, other books that have prophetic language. Now, here's the thing. When it talks about four great beasts, immediately I start thinking lizards, King Kong, Godzilla, that type of stuff. But what God does is he gives Daniel a vision. If you and I were sitting in class, and some of us, this may be painful, but remember when we were sitting in class and they talk, talked about, uh, here are all these leaders, they showed us videos about Hitler coming to power, or maybe about George Washington, even though they didn't have videos then. And we would look and say, I recognize George Washington because we've seen pictures, right? I recognize Hitler because we've seen pictures. But here, God is showing Daniel something that hasn't yet occurred. Some of it has, but some of it hasn't yet occurred. So he doesn't show him a picture of a man. He shows him a, a symbol of a beast and equates it with qualities that Daniel will later look and say, wow, that's just like this. And where we, as humanity, will look and say, hey, those qualities are representative of this thing or this man or this kingdom. 
And it may sound a little bit weird, but as we go through, you're going to see it makes a lot of sense. So the next thing he says is this. The first beast that he saw, the Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar, was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I looked till the wings of it were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon, upon two feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. Now, the Babylonian Empire is where he was serving right now under Nebuchadnezzar, right? That when he had this vision, he was still serving under Nebuchadnezzar. And if you look in Jeremiah, I think it's Isaiah, maybe in Ezekiel, there are other verses, even though they don't mention Nebuchadnezzar by name, they talk about the Babylonian Empire being like a lion. And he says, I looked till the wings of it were plucked, and that's an indication of God saying, hey, time for this kingdom to come to an end. And where it says it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon two feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it, it's kind of like what we talked about last week, where God humbled Nebuchadnezzar, right? And Nebuchadnezzar shared his testimony and said, hey, your God was over here, but then he humbled me, and now I serve him as God, right? And then he, gives, he talks about the next beast. He says, the next beast, behold, another beast, a second one, the Medo-Persian Empire, was like a bear, and it raised up itself on one side or one dominion, and three ribs were in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, arise, devour much flesh. Now, with all of these kingdoms, you're going to see a theme. They're allowed to come to power because God allows it, and God uses them for a specific purpose. Now, here when it talks about the Medo-Persian Empire, that's what you're going to see happen in chapter 5. Where Daniel is writing now hasn't happened yet. But in chapter 5, we're going to see where they actually come in and take over the Babylonian kingdom. And it says uh, it raised itself up on one side or one dominion because even though it was a combined kingdom of the Medes and the Persians, the Persians were the dominant kingdom. And even though it says, it says three ribs were in its mouth between its teeth, like chomping down on something and leaving a mark. Anyone been bit by a dog or hopefully not a rabid cat because, you know, the whole shots thing. But it, it leaves a mark. Cyrus, who was the king of the Medo-Persian Empire at this time, he had such a dominant influence, especially with religion and culture, that even in the days of Jesus under the Roman Empire, the impact he had was still felt. And here it says... He was told, or it was told, arise, devour much flesh. Again, they only came to power because God allowed it. The Jewish uh, uh, nation of Israel, God's chosen people, God told them, hey, if you don't obey, then I'm going to pull back. You don't want to follow me. You want to follow other gods. That's fine. I'm going to pull back, and you'll see what happens when you follow other gods. So he allowed the Babylonians to come in and conquer the nation of Israel. But then God also says in his word that when I allow that to happen, I'm going to punish the Babylonians as well for their sins. Because it wouldn't be fair if Israel's punished for their sins, but the Babylonians are. And the Babylonians were, and the Medo-Persian Empire came in. And even though they're not mentioned in the Bible, Cyrus is mentioned, I want to say, two to three hundred years before he was even born in the Bible by name as being an instrument that God uses to preserve his people. And it's under the Medo-Persian Empire that Cyrus, who's king at that time, 
sends the Jews back to Israel to rebuild their nation and their kingdom. Right? And then he says this. I'm going to make all this make sense in a minute. He says, after this, I looked, and behold, another, the Grecian empire of Alexander the Great, like a leopard, which had four wings of a bird on its back. The beast had also four heads, Alexander's generals, his successors, and dominion was given to it. And he says this, he says that Alexander, he, again, this is an amplified Bible there explaining what these beasts are. Uh, the Grecian empire came in. They conquered the Medo-Persian empire. And when they did, they did something, and, and again, this is because God allowed it, they did something that was not attainable by any other kingdom to that day. They made Greek the, the language of the known world. Even under the Babylonians, they allowed people, the Hebrews still had the Hebrew language, there was Chaldean, there was Aramaic, there was all these languages. But under Greece, the known conquered world that Alexander the Great conquered, and we all know he is a real person who actually uh, historically went and conquered most of the known world. We'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks. Um, he made Greek the language of the known world. Because it was the language of the known world, now the Old Testament, which was only in Hebrew, was translated into Greek, what we today call the Septuagint and made its way around the known world. So this religion that was specifically isolated to the Jews, all of a sudden, because of Alexander the Great, got exposed to the known world. But hold on, there's more. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, the Roman Empire, terrible, powerful, and dreadful, and exceedingly strong. And it had great iron teeth, it devoured and crushed and trampled what was left with its feet. Now, stop there, because that's talking about the Roman Empire that we know. We look back in history, we know the Caesars, the Roman Empire, the, I was going to say a word that you shouldn't say in church, but all of the sexual activities the Roman Empire did, all that kind of stuff. We're familiar with all the movies and all that stuff, right? But the next sentence refers to a different Roman Empire. Now, with the next sentence, he's not looking at the one we look back at. He's looking forward to a day that even in our day has not yet occurred. He says, and it was different from all the beasts that came before it, and it had ten horns symbolizing ten kings. And we know for a fact Roman uh, Empire didn't have ten kings. The whole goal of it was one Caesar who kept killing up one after another and, and becoming Caesars. It ended up splitting into the Eastern and Western Roman Empire, but it never had 10 kings. Now, here's the other thing. He says this. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and the mouth speaking great things. This is extremely prophetic because it's looking to our future, right? Same thing echoed uh, in the book of... Uh, Second, first, second Thessalonians, echoed in the book of Zechariah, Ezekiel, and in the book of Revelation where it talks about what we term that we use as the Antichrist. Coming to power uh, out of these, uh, this national ten nation conglomeration or federation of which three will rise to power, he'll come out of one and he'll rule. Now there's a reason he goes into all this, and I'll, I'll, again, I'm going to make this make sense in a minute. He says, I kept looking until the thrones were placed for the assessors with the judge. And the ancient of days, God, the eternal father, took his seat. 
whose garment was white as snow and hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire came forth from his mouth, uh, from before him. A thousand of thousands ministered to him. 10,000 times 10,000 rose up and stood before him. The judge was seated. The court was in session and the books was opened. We know prophetically that this is talking about end times, future event, book of Revelation, apocalyptic language, all of that kind of stuff. This hasn't happened yet. And it specifically says this, though. This is, what, this is what Daniel gets communicated to him in his vision. Saw in the night visions, and behold, on the clouds of the heavens came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And it was given to him, the Messiah, the person we know as Jesus Christ, dominion and glory and kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one which shall not be destroyed. The whole purpose of God giving these visions that we look at and say, that's kind of weird, there's beasts, there's animals, there's all this stuff. The whole purpose of God giving this vision is to show Daniel, hey, there are going to be nations that come, and they're going to oppress Israel. Those nations will get taken over, and they're going to come, and they're going to oppress Israel. Those nations are going to get taken over, and they're going to come, and they're going to oppress Israel. But don't be concerned because the sovereign kingdom of God is everlasting and will never pass away. There are nations that are going to rise. There are nations that are going to fall. There are political leaders that are going to come to power. There are ones that are going to fall. There are ones that are going to get kicked out of office in scandals. There are ones that are going to get voted out. There are ones that may get voted back in. But no matter what happens, the kingdom of God is an everlasting kingdom that shall never pass or be destroyed. This is, this is the, the heart of the message. No matter which political leaders are in power or which nations are fighting for power, because we have that happening, right? We got, like, North Korea sending missiles over Japan. We have Russia and Ukraine still going at it. It doesn't matter because God's kingdom is an eternal kingdom that will not pass away. So God takes the time, right, to communicate this, to Daniel, to make sure that Daniel understands that, hey, uh, these are, there are kingdoms that are going to come into power, right? Because uh, Daniel, just like the Israelites, just like us today, very patriotic, right? We care, we care about our nation. We care about what happens in the United States. We care about who's, uh, who gets voted into office and who gets vote out, voted out. But God reveals to Daniel, hey, don't stress over this too much. And he specifically reveals several nations. He talks about the Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans, because those are the only nations in the history of humanity that have ever ruled over Israel. I know a lot of people think, oh, he only talks about those because those are the only world-dominating empires. Again, the historical part, phase out if you need to, but there were a lot of world-dominating nations. The Ottomans tried to rule the world, the Mongols tried to rule the world, the Russians, Germany, Hitler tried to rule the world. The British Empire was actually the biggest world-dominating empire in human history to date. Uh, in its heyday, the British Empire had 20, 25 or 26% of the world's population under their domain, right? They don't have that now, but they had that then under their domain. But here's the thing. The Ottomans, Mongols, Russians, Germany, even though Hitler tried to 
uh, eradicate the Jews, the Jews did not exist as a nation. So God reveals to Daniel, hey, here are the other nations that are going to rule over the nation of Israel. Once the Romans crushed the nation of Israel, that's why it said crushed, the nation of Israel ceased to exist until 1946 or 47 when it became a nation again. No other nation has ruled over Israel until in the future where the Bible talks about the Antichrist and this, this, this ten-nation confederation that's come to come together and going to rule over Israel. And the reason that God reveals this to Daniel is just like most of us, we care about what's happening politically. Most of us care about what's going on in our nation. Most of us care about who's going to be in office and how that's going to impact us, whether it be uh, on, uh, at a school council or a borough council or the state level or the federal level. Most of us care because it's going to have an impact on us. But just like God took the time to reveal to Daniel, hey, I know you care about it. Here's what's coming down the pike, though, but don't worry. God says, I'm still sovereign. That's the same thing he reveals to us. Now, I'm going to take a few more minutes because I want to show you this. And we talked about this when we were talking about evangelism because we're the same, right? We're not, it's not like they're different from us. It's not like we wouldn't do the same thing and be concerned about what's going to happen politically. Uh, but we talked about this, how when uh, God, uh, Jesus, told the disciples, hey, don't leave. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, right? John baptized with water. In a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Their response to hearing Jesus say, I'm going to give you the same spirit that raised me from the dead, right? Their response to him was, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? God, I mean, here, here, here's God, rises from the dead. They watched him die. They mourned. They had like the whole potato salad and chicken thing. They cried. Then he rose three days later, and then he tells them, hey, the same spirit that allowed me to rise from the dead, I'm going to give to you. And their response is, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? If it were happening today, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but, and you guys know what I'm about to say is true. If this were happening today, right, and we were the people that were hanging out with Jesus, and then we watched him die, and we mourned, and we went to the funeral, and we did the whole potato salad thing, and we cried, and then three days later, he rose from the dead, and he appeared to us, and he said, hey, you guys, the same spirit that allowed me to rise from the dead, I'm going to give to you. Most of us would say the same thing, depending on which party you are. We'd say, does that mean that Trump or Biden is going to get another term? Because that, that was we our focus, just like that was their focus. They were focused on, how is that going to impact our nation? His response to them was, don't worry about that, right? You're going to be my witnesses. I'm not doing this for political purpose. I'm doing this so that you can see and go and tell others that God cares about you more than just about the political aspect. Now, here's, here's where I'm going to ask you guys to do something. Um, and it might be a little bit weird for you. But we're, we're going to play uh, a game called Put a Finger Down. And for some of you, I think we played it once before. Uh, if not, let me explain it to you. And then, and then it, it's, uh, again, I'm not going to ask you to get up and do yoga or anything like that. Uh, what I'm going to ask you to do is here, demonstrate. Everybody hold up one hand. All the fingers up. Okay. So I'm going to describe a scenario. 
And if that scenario applies to you, I'm going to say put a finger down. So like if you're here in the building today, put a finger down. Everyone would put a finger down, all right? And then I'm going to describe another scenario. And if it applies to you, then you put another finger down. Only thing I say is be careful which fingers you put down so you don't have the wrong one sitting up by itself, because that could be awkward. Now, here's the other thing. Um, these aren't deeply personal questions, right? But you can put your hands down. Um, but if you want, you can maybe put your hands on the table and then put a finger down, put a finger down, put a finger down. Or if you kind of, you know, don't want anyone to see, put your hands on your lap, put a finger down, put a finger down. Everyone understand, if you, if you understand how this game works, just raise your hand. Okay, we're good. All right, so hold up, because it's going to take two hands. Put them on the table, put them on your lap, wherever you want to put them. And I'm going to start. So the first one is put a finger down if you ever voted in an election. Right? Some of us probably haven't, and that's okay. Some of us uh, voted in a few, and it doesn't matter if it was a state election, federal election, just for town council, whatever it was. Right? Put a finger down if you ever voted in an election. Put a finger down if anyone has ever treated you different because, hear me out before you put your finger down, right? Because of the way you look, or the way you talk, or maybe it's because of the way you dress, right? Or because of, because, because maybe, because like for me, because of your skin color, or if your skin is covered with tattoos, got you guys covered, or uh, maybe it's because, because of your age, because someone told you, or oh, you're too old to do this job, or because someone told you you're too young to do this job, or because you're a woman, or because you're a man. I'm trying to cover all of the isms, racism, sexism, ageism, if I left one out, Think about it, and if they ever treated you differently because of that, put a finger down. Put a finger down. If it didn't phase you, but if they still treated you differently, that's the thing. Not how you reacted, how they treated you. But also put a finger down if you ever had a paying job. You ever, like, got a paycheck, put a finger down. Uh, put a finger down if you've ever had to pay rent or mortgage. Put a finger down. That includes, that includes, um, like, my first rent check that I had to pay was to my mom. Because she was like, hey, you're, you're making a lot of money now, and you got to help paying with some of these bills. So if you first ever had to pay rent or mortgage, uh, put a finger down. Uh, put a finger down if you've ever lost a job, right? And I've shared with you guys multiple times, I think it was the only job I lost. Went from making six figures down to making $300 every other week on unemployment. That was harsh. Actually, no, now I think about it. First job I lost was uh, I was washing dishes at Cookie Steak Pub in Queen Center Mall because I lied about my age. I told them I was 16, I was only 14, but for two weeks I had some of the best steak I've ever eaten in my life. But in any case, uh, so if you've ever lost a job, put a finger down. Put a finger down if you've ever lost a family member, right? That's something some of us, most of us can probably say, yeah. Beth, who normally sings with us, not here, uh, because her grandmother passed away a couple of days ago. So uh, yesterday, um, I was with her and her family uh, at the funeral. And uh, last night, she was like, hey, I'm not going to make it. And I was like, I wasn't expecting you to show up. I was expecting you to spend some time with your family mourning and, and grieving the loss of your grandmother. Uh, but put a finger down if you've ever lost a family member. Um, Put a finger down if you've ever attended public school at some point in your life. A lot of people who've only had a private school education, 
right? But if you've ever attended public school, put a finger down. Uh, put a finger down if you've ever worried about the safety of your community. And I've lived in communities where I know you guys think bolt the door, but where we had to put like the, the big bolts and furniture in front of the door just to feel safe, right? And I know some people laugh, but that's a reality for many people today. But also, here's the thing. Put a finger down if you've never worried about the safety of your community. One of the safest communities I lived in was, was military base. Like seriously, go to bed at night, not with the door unlocked, door wide open, forgot to close it, didn't worry about it. Car unlocked, money on the seat, never a thought. One of the safest communities that for me that I've ever lived in. So put a finger down if you've never worried about the safety of your community. This one, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but put a finger down if you've ever thought you could do better than the politicians are currently doing today. Right? I, I, I'm sure most of us would agree that we, we could probably do a better job. Uh, we don't want to go through all the drama and hassles that they go through, but we look at some of the decisions that are being made and like, what in the ham sandwich are they thinking? Right? So yeah, if you're, if you're in that, put a finger down. You ever thought you could do better than the politicians are currently doing? That's the last one, except I'm going to ask everyone to do this one thing. And then we're, then we're going to, um, I'm going to summarize this and wrap this up. Stand up if you put at least one finger down for any of those things. Just stand up. Even if it was just only one. Yeah, even if you only have one left, just stand up. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn around and take a look at everyone else in the room. You don't know what they put their fingers down for but almost pretty much everyone else in the room is standing. And here's why we were talking about this today. From a political perspective, what the politicians will do is they'll say, hey, I know you were worried about your community, so I want to separate you and respond to you. I know you're worried about education, so I want to separate you and respond to you. I know you guys are worried about uh, how you're treated or mistreated because of how you look, so I want to respond to you. And what the politicians are good at is separating all these things. What God is good at as looking above all these things and saying, I'm not just concerned about that, or just concerned about that, or just concerned about that. I want you to know that I'm sovereign about all of that, and I care about all of your concerns. Does that make sense? Okay, you guys be seated for a minute. So uh, here's what we're going to do uh, next week, because I know, again, you guys are the quiet, conservative, don't ask a lot of questions, all that kind of stuff. But there, I get so many questions from people about this stuff. So next week, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, we're going to do like a live Q&A where all we do is answer questions about God, government, and the Bible. Okay? So I'll explain in a minute. Here's how this is going to work. If you have questions, you can email them, text them, put them in our Facebook group all that stuff sent to me, and, and we're going to answer. And again, here's the thing. No disrespect, but you guys are very kind of mild and conservative. So what I don't want to have happen is next week we're sitting here and there's just crickets because none of you guys want to raise your hand and ask a question. So I'm going to ask. I'm going to make a couple of videos and ask other people to submit their questions. If you have friends, and again, this is not about trying to, we're not going to demean anyone for their political perspective. 
We're not going to try to lift up one politician or another. We're not going to demean or talk bad about a political party. We're just going to answer questions about God and government and the Bible. What does God feel about this? Why is this happening? How can God allow this to happen? Does God really care about this? All these questions. Uh, and, and I know you guys don't know, but I mean, Bill, you see it on TikTok. People ask these type of questions every day, all day long, right? So uh, we're going to ask these questions, and here's the reason why. Daniel continued, and he said this, as for me, Daniel, this is the complete Jewish Bible version because this is how the Jewish mindset would have read and understood what he wrote. As for me, Daniel, my spirit deep within me was troubled. The visions in my head frightened me. I approached one of those standing by and asked him what all this really meant. He said that he would make me understand how to interpret these things. Does anyone feel like they're kind of troubled or frightened just by the political, all the stuff going on these days? It's a little bit scary. And it's not just what's happening. It's, it's the way that we see politicians going at each other rather than banding together to help solve our problems. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get really, like, troubled and concerned and upset about stuff like that. So here's, here's what you're going to do. We're going to do, as the band comes up, next week, we're just going to spend some time answering questions. If you guys have questions, you can either write them down and bring them next week. You can email them. You can text them. If you have friends, and trust me, you do have friends, that have these type of questions, ask them. Don't use this as an opportunity to try to force them to come to the Sunday celebration. That's not cool. But ask them, hey, have you ever thought about this? Or if you could ask you know, about these type of questions, what would you ask? Bring those questions. If they want to watch online, uh, or if anyone's watching online and they want to submit questions online, they can. But the goal of next week, next, next week, is just going to be to answer questions. And just in case you guys don't ask any, I'm going to like make some videos and get a bunch of questions from other people that cover this topic. But for right now, I'm going to ask you guys to stand. God, we just, we're just grateful that we get to come into your presence. And we know sometimes when we're in your presence, we come with questions, with doubt. Uh, sometimes, as Daniel was a little fearful, about things that happen in our culture and in our nation. But we pray that you would give us the peace that comes from being in your presence. Give us the peace that transcends all understanding. Give us the peace that, as Daniel said, through your Holy Spirit, allows us to understand and interpret your word and understand it in our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.